there she is. There she is. You're so pretty. I can't even with you. I'm wearing a sweatshirt that has a big heart on the front. Mm-hmm. And so all day when people say, I like your sweatshirt, I'm like, I have a heart on. <laughs> You're so <laughs> naughty. I love it. Actually, I was really naughty. at. Um, I had a commercial audition today for mm-hmm. a little Christmas commercial with like a little girl who was playing my daughter. And they were just like interviewing us on camera. And they asked the little girl, she was seven. They said, what was your favorite present you ever got? And she said, an easy bake oven. And they said, why did you like it so much? And she's like, well, because when I got bored, it was fun to play with. And and I said, well, that's how I feel about men. But then I didn't realize I said it on camera. To a little girl. Just like came out of my mouth. I just, I, and it's not even true. It was just like all of a sudden I was a stand-up comedian and it was the perfect punchline. But I'm bum. (laughs) So... I don't know how that commercial went. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> if you book it, I'm going to feel like everything is right in the world. There was a mischievous little munchkin that wanted to come out of my body and I couldn't stop it. Oh, man. <laughs> mischievous munchkin. Maybe that will be the name of this podcast. <laughs> uh, if you are just tuning in, we are Kristen and Natalie. And this is Let's Play the Create Podcast. Sometimes I forget this is actually a thing and not just a conversation that we're having. It is a conversation that we are having about the nature of creativity and how playfulness uh, ignites, activates, and releases our creativity into the world. And today, even though we're starting off really silly and mischievous, we're talking about some deep stuff today. Oh, well, the only way we can get through the deep stuff is by adding a little light, a little love, a little humor to it. So, so much of the time, so much of the time when life throws us the real curveballs, the real tough stuff, you have to bring a light hand to it. It was like our friend in Amsterdam told us that his guru told him, when you're in it, it's a drama, but when you witness it, it's a comedy. And sometimes when we are in our stuff or when we are in the stuff of life, Everything feels heavy and scary and we feel like we're drowning and it can feel overwhelming and it can feel very dramatic, very traumatic. But if you can just get a little bit of a bird's eye view, if you can just separate yourself from the stuff that's occurring, just, just a little bit of separateness, just a little bit more of the witness consciousness, you can often look at it and, and see it like, well, if this was a character going through this the movie, like, I know the miracle's on the way, right? Because like on the other side of this dark moment in the movie, like we're in the dark night of the soul, but like there's something amazing coming. There's so much growth here. There's so much to be gleaned from this. And there's so much strength being cultivated in the person who's going through this. Um, And then even sometimes if you get a bird's eye view, you can go, wait, this is actually funny. Like, look at how ridiculous this all is. Look at how my ego wants to make this so much worse than it actually is. Of course, and because if we're inside the thoughts of suffering, then we're over-identified with the experience, and, and, and we, can, we can't actually get the information that we need. Now, I, on this tip, I have a rental car right now because I'm in Los Angeles, and this rental car loves to jump into my phone and play random tracks, and I always think it's like spirit playing a game with me. So last night, I'm driving, and... As I'm driving, it pulls up Ram Dass out of nowhere. And Ram Dass was talking about 
becoming a nobody. And he was saying that earlier in his life, before psilocybin, before mushrooms, he was really identified with being a somebody, right? So being one with the identification of form. I am what I do, what other people think about me, how I'm validated in the world. But then what mushrooms gave him is the knowing that he was a one with all that there is. And that gave him that bird's eye view, the ability to watch his human incarnation and to laugh at it, right? Mm. He got to become a nobody. And in, in becoming a nobody, he had his freedom. Oh, that's and, heaven. And that freedom also um, gave him the ability to connect on a deeper level with everyone. So mm. like his pain was no longer his pain. It was the pain of being human, mm. the pain of separation, mm. right? And so he could have deep empathy for that experience and also know that that was the experience of a human incarnation and also to go above it and to say, and now I'm above it, I'm watching it, and now we can laugh at it, we can joke about it, we can see that it's part of being in, in, in form and body, celebrate it, and but maybe have a different insight once we can we can float above it. Yeah, and it's really interesting if we think about at what point does our need for individuation and personality and that I amness separate us from the we areness, from the collective, from the communion. And when we have this conversation, it's really the third chakra as it's developing, and they say. Um, you know, that each of the chakras develops at a different kind of like time in our, in our lives. So, you know, kids, when they're just starting to activate and experience their third chakra, because all of a sudden their favorite word becomes no. Do you want to do this? No. It's, and, it, and it's not that they don't want to do it. They just want to assert their own personality, their own thought process. They want the ability to individuate. They want the ability to say, I don't want to do what my parents tell me to do. I want to do what I want to do because they're just learning what the I is. It's just developing. So this is the beginning of the ego. And there's a certain level of individuation that becomes healthy, right? You, you learn your autonomy, you learn your preferences, you learn your values, you start to learn uh, what feels good and what doesn't. And, and there's an assertion in that that can be really healthy. But always when we're moving through, for example, the chakras, you start with the third chakra developing. And then once you evolve deeper, you move into the heart and it changes from an I am to a we are. It goes into union. It goes into community. So it's like, I know who I am so that I can then join with something bigger. So I can love something bigger. So I can bring that personality into communion with a project, with a person, with a family, with um, a job, with a community. So the point of the I am is the starting point but it's not meant to be the ending point because if we end in the I am, then we end up operating from a place of ego of hoarding from, I have to get mine. And if someone else gets something, it means I have less. And so we, we begin actually withholding our gifts and our talents. And we also eliminate our capacity to really be in an unconditional relationship with life. And that I am is meant to serve the whole. So you know how I story coach. Yesterday, I was coaching on a script about Maria Montessori of the Montessori schools. 
And her whole thing that she learned from observing children is the reason they start to disobey and say that no is because they start to feel the calling of the true and authentic self who knows it has something it wants to and needs to explore because of its relationship to its purpose on the planet. And so when an adult thinks it knows better and tries to interfere, it will say that no, as in terms of boundary crossing, because my individual soul has something it needs to find out, explore, or discover. Mm. So, But the interesting thing she said is if you let the child figure out what it wants to figure out, its motivation is always love. It wants to serve the whole. It just doesn't want to be inhibited from being its individual self in the service of the whole. Ah, So right. we came with, with knowing that we were different and that we had different things we wanted to pursue, but actually underneath it all was love. We wanted to be part of the we are. Ah, it almost makes me think I often tell actors this, that when you go to set, no matter how big or small your role is, Mm -hmm. each person, whether it's the person holding the light or the person holding the camera or the person who's the lead on the show or the person who has one line on the show or the person who's the background on the show, each person is one individual puzzle piece. But we have no idea what puzzle it is unless every single part is included, right? So we all have an individual part to play, and we all have to show up as the piece that we are. And sometimes what happens is someone that because the ego always wants to compare and make something bigger and something smaller, have something to be inferior to or superior to, right? So um the ego will always want to say, well, my puzzle piece maybe isn't right the way it is, so I should change it. I should tear a piece mm-hmm. off or make it look different or make it look like another puzzle piece or try to fit it in a place it doesn't fit. But all that does is it, it messes up your individuation and it also messes up your opportunity to serve the whole as you were perfectly designed to serve it. Well, check this out. So this week, Rob Bell asked me to come and be a guest speaker at his Something to Say seminar. He does this two-day seminar with people. And it was just brilliant, Nat, because what was amazing, he does this thing around how people get stuck from bringing their ideas into the world. But when people would like get up in the chair next to him and talk about what they want to bring into the world, like everyone in the room's mouth would drop because you're like, we need that on the planet. And then the next person would get up and you're like, we need that on the planet. Wait, we need that on the planet. And as I'm sitting there, I'm just like, if everybody just did what was in their heart to like bring to the planet, it would solve the world's problems. Like we, I, it was like, I know this conceptually, but to see in real time, we are the answers we've been looking for, but it takes everyone doing their part. And that is where the dark side of the ego, the part of us that te- get, that plants self-doubt, that tells us that we are not enough, that tries to dissuade us from where our charm is, it gets in the way of us being willing and able and excited to let our light shine. Like we forget that we're the answer. Mm. Uh, right? Isn't that the biggest trick of the ego? That it makes us forget that we're the answer. So it makes us continue to ask questions that there's no answer for because we're the freaking answer. That's it. Wow. It is so sneaky. You know, I was talking to um, some of my students. You know that I do this three-month course and I'm in the middle of it now. And we were jamming about the ego and the mind and the inner critic. And we all took some time to really 
write down like everything the inner critic tells us. And then we played this game of is anything that the ego tells you actually provable? And a hundred percent of the time it's not. Yeah. Because it's going to tell you the thing that's impossible to prove. Because if you could prove, if the ego tells you something, like, and you can prove that that's not actually the truth, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you'll stop listening to the ego because you will have evidence that it doesn't tell you the truth. That's the right. The only reason we continue to think it has any kind of authority is because it it leaves its messages for us in a shaming way, in a vague way. And like, it will just tell you something like, who are you to do that? Yes. And it's an unanswerable question. So the reason it talks to you in that way is because if you could prove who I am to do that, then you would now know that everything that that voice says isn't true. Yes. And I love when Byron Katie says, when we're suffering, it's because we're believing an untrue thought. So it's really interesting to me just to go, ooh, I find myself in suffering right now. What's a thought that I'm thinking that is untrue? So it's kind of like how I decode where I've created a lie in my thinking or I'm stuck in a false belief. Is yeah. just go, oh my gosh, why don't I feel good right now? What, is, what am I thinking? Where did my thoughts end up? You know how our thoughts will like uh, accidentally land in a little trap. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden we'll witness, wait, what's going on? And then decode it. And then in, but inside that is freedom. So it's kind of great when we can notice that we are in suffering, because if we can go inside it, find where the lie is and reverse it, then we find our freedom. And then that opens up a portal for us to be able to emerge. And I heard Backwith say something this week. I feel like this week I'm like the greatest hits of things I've heard this week. But um, (laughs) that's what I feel like. But um, Michael Beckwith said on Sunday that we are here to serve the emerging consciousness. So if we think of this like the we are, the all of us, the collective, there's an emerging consciousness coming through us. And we all have our part to do to serve that. And the way that we serve that is something that is deeply pleasurable and exciting to us. And sometimes so right in the middle of who we are, it terrifies us. It mm. almost reminds me of, have you ever noticed that it's very easy to go on a date with someone that you're not that into and be so wonderful and charming, right? You can be the slickest human being on a date <laughs> with someone that you are not interested in. But man, get close to someone you're interested in and it's terrifying and all the stuff comes up, right? Because it's like the closer we get to the thing that is that matters, it's the truth that is real, the more we go, ah, am I worthy? Yeah. You know, I love this thought about suffering because it does feel like the ego likes to keep us in suffering. And I love this so much because I've been having this conversation with some people about, well, you know, the Buddha says that suffering is optional and they say that pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Okay. So if suffering is optional and then the yogis say the purpose of suffering is to lead us from suffering then it it really leads me to think that suffering really just exists so we can know ourselves as divine. That's right. Suffering exists so we know that we can make the choice not to suffer. We cannot make the choice 
to make pain go away, right? That's like right. if my toe is throbbing because I banged it against something, I can't just elevate my consciousness to make my toe stop throbbing. I can, however, focus on something else that's not throbbing and I could potentially not notice it as much and then it won't feel like it's throbbing yeah. as much. But controlling the pain is not what I'm here to do. Life is is here to give us contrast. And so much of the time you will find yourself in painful circumstances or situations, but the story you create about the pain becomes the suffering, right? So Eckhart Tolle defines suffering as anytime you are rejecting the present moment or you want the present moment to be something other than it is, then you're suffering, right? right. Um, yoga says suffering is when you link to something that you shouldn't link to. Yeah. Suffering. And Stephen Pressfield says suffering. I'm telling you, it's the greatest hits. And Stephen Pressfield, I recently saw, said something along the lines of suffering is any time you let your resistance be bigger than your purpose. Oh, that is suffering. Juicy, juicy, right? But here's the thing that I'm thinking is interesting right now as we're on this, this trip is if the ego wants to keep us in suffering, it's because the ego's task, the, the third chakra shadow is shame. And shame yeah. only lives in secret. Shame yep. only lives in the dark. And when we suffer, we tend to isolate. We tend to pull away. When we're in pleasure, we tend to want to share it. We tend to want to expand it. It's, it's that, oh, I was just looking this up about the, the Buddha says, um, thousands of candles can be lit from a single, signal, a single candle and the life of the candle is never shortened. Happiness is never decreased when it's shared. Ooh. When we're in communion, when we're in the we are, that's the fertile ground for pleasure and joy and happiness. It's contagious. Like if I'm in the worst mood and I see your smiling face and your big hair and you know the, the big smile coming my way, I can't stay in my suffering. You know what I mean? It's contagious. It, it rises. That suffering is about keeping us alone and keeping us isolated. It's like a bully that wants to separate you from the pack so you feel defenseless. And that's what makes us have this sense of powerlessness that we can't actually transcend the suffering. Yes. And I've been thinking a lot this week about accepting our humanity, Mm. accepting the fact that that we are, as human beings, we have flaws. (laughs) We're not perfect. Um, There is no magic pill like that we, part of our incarnation is our humanness. Mm. That, that, that came with the package. But like the ego, like resistance, it's also a gift. It, it's here for a reason. Like our imperfection is here for a reason because it causes us to need to connect to something bigger than ourselves, right? The resistance, the only way we can overcome resistance or self-doubt is by connecting with something bigger, and I like to think that it, it calls on us, like as you said, to remember our divinity or to create intimacy with that which is bigger than ourself. Mm. And you and I were having a conversation earlier today where we talked about how, how everything's are getting dismantled right now, right? Uh. Yeah, like that there, and, and you and I were talking about in our own lives that we were watching some, some crumbling of some old ways of being, the things that we actually thought we were masters of uh, falling away and and that it's because 
we had gotten really good, or at least I'll speak for myself, I had gotten really good with certain roles that now I feel life requiring me to um, dismantle in order for the light, in order for something bigger than me to live through me, that it's no longer I who can be the one who's living. Like Kristen, the personality, and Kristen's old way of doing things can't be the one that progresses in the world anymore. It's requiring me to ask of a higher power to live my life through me. Yeah. It's requiring to get rid of the individual identity. It's it's requiring to move into that heart. It's requiring to move into the we. We're not meant to do it alone. Whether it's higher power, whether it's Mm -hmm. higher power communicating through the voice of another human being, or, you know, it's, it's that it's that deep call on the planet right now for us to do it together, for, for that tide to rise all the boats together. And in, and in service of the whole. Like, we can't yeah. do things anymore to, for the service of our own egos. And if we do, they're not going to last. Yeah. But we can't work in that way. And I talked a little bit about the heroine's journey at Rob's uh, Something to Say, which is really interesting because it talks about... Uh, and Merdine... Uh, Murdoch's work is amazing if anyone wants to go look it up. But in the heroine's journey, it's as if a person, you know, in in this case, a a feminine energy has been trying to work in the world through masculine values and get success in a masculine way and sees a little bit of success from it. And then all of a sudden hits a wall where it will no longer work and it has to be torn apart. In fact, they talk about there being like a spiritual dryness that the heroine has to go through and meet with the goddess to be re-educated on a new way of being in the world. Oh, right. Man, being a human being and a spiritual being at the same time is no fucking joke. It's no joke. That's why we have to like become a nobody sometimes and fly above it and have that and make and, and you know, and laugh at it and watch some comedy. So Man, so we yes. Well, and it's kind of funny because you and I actually used to joke about it. It's like, oh, if the universe wants to test me, it'll choose this area of my life because I'm weak over here. But like, it'll never test Kristen in that area because Kristen's nailing it over there. But then vice versa. Like if you want to test Kristen, go in this area, which is a place that... So we would always joke that we had like totally different skills. We never like fell apart in the same place, right? Yeah. But what's interesting is what's coming up for both of us in our humanity now is the places where in our identity that we thought we were killing it. Like, oh, I got that part down. Like that part's solid. So let me go work on these other parts. It's like the part that we had the illusion that it was solid. It's like that God is coming and saying, no, we got to strip it all away. Right. Cause it's no longer form. We, we, we built it so that it looks successful to the outer world, but they said no more. If it just looks good, we, we were crumbling those structures because it is all about the animating spirit and energy within. Mm. It has to be. It has and that to has be. to come from a different place. It and it might, it might be because uh, we're on the edge of something that is constantly growing and emerging. There, it, the consciousness is getting bigger. There's something that's revealing itself that hasn't been on the planet before. So there, it's a brand new way of being in the world. And we're being taught. 
And in order to be taught, we have to really listen. So we have to get into that place where we don't think we know anymore. Like everything has to be destroyed. So you're in such a place of, I don't know. Because in that place of surrender, you're going to really listen. And something that's been coming up in my meditations a lot is, it's all I want you to do, baby. I just want you to listen. I'll tell you everything. I will talk to you. <laughs> my, my journal writing this morning was uh, all on uh, um, pick up the telephone line. Like drop your mind, listen, and then act on the new thing we give you. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's nothing you've seen before. It's right there on, on, on the front edge. And I think being able to listen to the next right step to take, the next thing to say, then the next conversation you have to have with your partner, the next thing you have to build on the planet takes a listening that requires a dropping of the mind. Yes, because the, it the feels like the, the mind is a computer that is just regurgitating information that it's collected in your life capacity to this point. So if you go to the mind, all it can do is tell you what's worked in the past. That's right. It doesn't have the information for what hasn't happened yet. The mind doesn't have it. And so if we want to get the new information, if we want to get the new steps, if we want to know where we're going, we have to ask a place we haven't asked before. We have to ask the place that's outside of time and space, that's outside of even this body that has had this lived experience. And we have to let go of the stories of even our own lived experience of who we've even been to this point, because we have to be willing to let go of everything that we've built in order to build something new. Yes. You know, who's a master of that, I think is uh, Chase Jarvis. He's a photographer and he has a new book on creativity out right now. There's some really great um, interviews with him circling the interwebs. Uh, Rich Roll did one, Maria, Marie Forleo did one. Um, but his thoughts on creativity you know, he's been incredibly successful in his career, have come from listening for the new thing that hasn't been on the planet yet mm. and wanting it to create it to actually help others. Mm. So it's an, it's an interesting place of, instead of trying to look for an outer success, what, what, is, what wants to come through me that is the essence of love and service? because I'm here to give something to the world. Mm. And, and that's something that we're going to be given. And it's sort of like, if you ask a different question, you'll get a different answer. And if you've been asking, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Versus the now asking of, of what can I give and what can be given through me? You're going to get a different answer. Yeah. One of the things I wrote down in my journal this morning <clears throat> was talk to us and through us. Mm. So like talk to the source of the universe and then let that talk through you. That's so just beautiful. keep, keep bringing the questions here, keep listening and then be ready to be our mouthpiece. And listen, I don't think we're here to suggest that this, uh, 
is going to feel necessarily <laughs> like uh, an amazing rosy journey. I, I, it's interesting because I keep thinking about um, this, this person who I've been coaching and they booked this wonderful job on set and it was one of their first jobs ever on set and they were away on set and they're so excited. And then they called me and said, oh, um, you know, I'm on set and, and the director um, took away some of my lines and now I have like a smaller part. And they were freaking out, like so devastated, so upset. I don't want to disappoint anyone. And I think I didn't do well. And maybe I'm not good at this. And maybe I'm not meant to be an actor. And it was really the conversation of saying, well, yeah, your ego thinks all of those things. Mm. Your ego is busy keeping score and saying who's better, who's worse, where does this fit in some sort of scale. But the artist in you is so happy to be on set. They don't care how many lines they have. They're so excited. They get to be part of whatever this story is. They just want to, like, if I sit in the background and help tell this story, I'm delighted. If I'm in the foreground and tell this story, I'm delighted. I'm just happy to be in the game. That's what the artist says. That's what the heart says. The heart says, I'm just excited to show up and play with you. I don't care who's the MVP and who's the VIP and who's the whatever. It's like, I'm just so excited that I get to play. So we just kept, I kept reminding him as this kept kind of going on, like, here's, here's an excuse to get into suffering, mm-hmm. you know? And every time the ego presented an excuse to get into suffering, we just made the choice. Do we want to go the way of the ego or do we want to go the way of the heart? And by the, by the next day, uh, he was like, I had lunch with one of the other people and it was just so fun. And I got to stay overnight here. And it was, and there became a collection of evidence from the heart, which was just how do I get to be part of this fun thing? And all of a sudden, all the stuff that the ego was trying to make seem really important looked comical. Yeah. It looked like the least important thing. Like who would even care about that? Only an amateur would care about that. You know, I'm playing a different game. I'm listening in a different way. And so all of a sudden, it does look like a comedy. Those things that the ego wants to tell me to move me into suffering. It just, it's funny to, that the ego thinks I'm even going to buy that and play that game anymore. Yes. I'm just grateful to be involved. I'm just mm. grateful to be playing. Yeah. So it's, as, it's, as we, it's almost like as we play, we want to, we want to play in a few different ways. The, the first part of the play is accepting our humanness, right? We want to meet the part of ourselves that has an ego and has that will, that two-year-old will that wants to say, no, my way, my way, my way. It should be like this. We want to meet that part of ourselves with love. You know, as mm-hmm. Matt Kahn says, let the one who judges be the next in line to be loved. Let the part in me that wants to put myself down or be mad at myself for having an ego, let that part be the first in line to get love. Like, let me first meet myself and say, yeah, I'm a human and I have an ego and I'm supposed to have it. Like, if I wasn't meant to have an ego, I wouldn't have it. The, the ego is actually part of this game too. Mm-hmm. The ego is the thing that helps me identify the suffering so I can make a different choice and know myself as a powerful co-creator. So I want to accept and love the part of myself that shows me the ego, that shows me these false stories, that shows me the suffering. And then because I don't have any attachment to it and I can just love it, I want to be the one who says, now let me listen to what else is going on. 
Now oh, let me right. be brave enough to say, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you in your temper tantrum and everything you're saying. Like, I get that you really want me to believe you and buy into this and go down this rabbit hole with you. But just before I do, I'm going to just try sitting over here for a second, get into a deep listening and ask if I move this away from me and I move it over into we, what gets revealed? Yeah. When I move it into we, when I'm here to serve the we, what is my next right action? And when you ask that, you'll hear it. Mm. And then the ego structure can, can serve that answer. So the part of us that is, in, in, that is an individual, that has individual gifts and preferences and talents, can serve that answer. And once we become in service of the answer, then we, are, then we feel... In, in a real-time, p- potent, and powerful way, our connection with all that is. That's and it. then in that moment, in that space, there is nothing lacking because we are now connected actively to the all. Yes. It's like when you were talking earlier about how the kids, they want to assert their individuality, but it always goes to the direction of love. Yes. It's like... Once you listen from the we, all the ego can do is also serve the place of love because you've asserted your will that love wins. That's right. And, and then we're all in it together. And then all you want to do is cheer everybody on. So if we know that all we're doing is serving an emerging consciousness and we're all playing the same game, then it's like, yeah, sister, get that. Do that. I'm for your healing. Yes, that's happening. That We're all playing on the same team. Yeah. Well, that yeah. sounds fun. Right? Because we all, we, all, we all want to play. We came to play. And we we came all want to play. Yeah. Can and, I be in service of the whole? Yes, you absolutely can. And I'd like to say one thing just right now because we're so divisive in our world. Yes. When you look and you see someone and you can see what looks like faults or wrongdoings or someone who you feel like maybe isn't playing the game you'd like as it to be played. I think we can also remember that the universe is self-correcting and that all of us are on a path of healing and we're at different places, Mm. but that everyone is moving towards progression, even if they go kicking and screaming and some some, people's, some people are going to go kicking and screaming, but we're all kind of like brothers and sisters progressing towards something beautiful so we can hold space for people wherever they are on their journey. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Doesn't it feel like sometimes you have that moment where you finally learn that lesson that you felt like you've been learning for years. And you're like, you're saying to yourself like, Oh my gosh, I, it took me years to learn this lesson. And all the while you were on your way to learning it, you would have those moments where it's like, I'm so grateful for forgiveness because I just messed up again. And I'm like, I know I'm on my way to learning it, but I just keep messing up. I just keep messing up. And then at one point you get it. It's like, can we know what it's like to be in the middle of getting it? And can we just give compassion to others who are also in the middle of getting it? 
Yeah, as we opposed hope. to perceiving them as they're not getting it, mm-hmm. or they're just in the middle of getting it and they're not complete yet. Yes, and we can see them as someone who's on their way to getting what they need in their right time and knowing that we couldn't have got, gotten anything that we've ever get, gotten quicker than we did, right? Yes, like, yes. There, there, is, there is divine timing in all things. And just, so, so, so can we be generous in knowing that we're all moving together and that we're, we're all getting it exactly when we're supposed to. Um, I think it's important so that we just keep remembering that we're on the same team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the beautiful poet Hafiz says, is that how you say it? Hafiz? I think so. Let's go with that. He says, what is the root? What is the root of all of these words? One thing, love, but a love so deep and sweet. It needed to express itself with scents, sounds, colors that never before existed. Oh, the root of who we are, the root of why we came here. And, I, and you, when you think of a tree system, trees, when their roots intersect with one another underground, thrive and are healthy and live for hundreds of years. And trees that have individual root systems live shorter lives. They don't grow as big. You know, they don't have as an expansive experience. So if we think of our root systems underneath this human body that we see, we are all connected. We all have these root systems that are attached and connected to each other. And, and the root, the thing that keeps us all connected is love. And mm-hmm. as we express that love, as we ask how we can show this love, how we can give more love, how we can bring more love, how we can bring more inclusion, more community, more support, then it needs to express itself with scents and sounds and colors and things and ideas and scripts and children and things that have never existed before. And that's the creative process. Yes. And so this week, may you be so filled up with love that it comes out of every pore that is in your song it is in the way you look at life it is in the way you dress for the day that you are so filled with love that it infiltrates the way that you create your life Mm. and knowing that at the core of all of us is love and as you bring that scene of love to the world you help usher it in you help all of us become more in touch with the core of who we are. We are all servants of love. And we love you. (laughs) And you look very cute today. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing, who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C, period, R, period, E, period, A, period, T, period, E, period, community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend?